So here's the way it goes. Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? No, you've already had enough sugar today. Oh. Daddy, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? Um, sure. Did you tell her she could have a chocolate chip cookie? Yeah, she's already had three. Well, I didn't know that. Well, you should have asked me. Well, she played me. I know, she does. Scenario two, daddy says, no, um, I think you've probably had enough. But let's ask mommy, and she knows she's busted. But then she notices Graham in the corner. So she makes her way over to Graham. She says, Graham, could I have a chocolate chip cookie? And Graham says, of course you can. And then Graham's son says, Mom, I'm in trouble because I let her have a chocolate chip cookie. When Mom said she couldn't have a chocolate chip cookie, now you've let her have a chocolate chip cookie, and we're all in trouble. Final scenario, she gets a no from Mom, a no from Dad, a no from Graham. She comes to Grandpa. And she says, could I have a chocolate chip cookie? And he says, sure, take two or three. <clears throat> and he is busted and done, right? So that goes on in more than one household on one, more than one occasion, right, where this little person um, becomes a conniver, and they learn the rules. They know who they can go to. They know who's a soft touch, and they know that if all else fails, Grandpa will cave, right? And Grandpa will take great risks, because he thinks more about what his granddaughter thinks about him than what his wife thinks about him, than what his son thinks about him, than what his daughter-in-law thinks about him. That little girl's more important to him than anybody else. So he will take great risks until the point that he's totally shunned by his family who say, you stop letting her have as much chocolate as she wants because it's way too much sugar and it's bad for her health. Goes on like that, right? So in the day of Jesus, wasn't chocolate chip cookies, I imagine it would have been something else, you know, a bun, a barley loaf, something like that. But Jesus told a story that is absolutely crazy, um, and we've come to sort of expect that, right? So he, here he is, and, and Luke remembers this story. He says, then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence is the conniving toddler, is the one who figures out how to beat the system. And in our day, it's kind of cute, but it needs to be trained out of the toddler, right? That's not a good way to live. Because when she gets to be 26 years old and she's in some situation where she wants something and she tries to do the same thing, she'll lose friends, she'll lose a job, and all that kind of stuff. And so in the society of Jesus, as in our society, the sensibilities would have been shameless persistence is a bad thing. You know, if you, if you get the reputation of never being satisfied with a no, you know, people will know that about you, and people will write that down. So you go for a, a new job, and they get references from you, and they call your old employer and say, how was she? 
And he says, you know, the only thing was she wouldn't take no for an answer. And like it, it was embarrassing because she would just push and push and push and push. And the new prospective employer might say, well, good to know. I don't need that kind of hassle. I don't need that kind of nonsense going on. So we'll, uh, we'll maybe move on to another, another uh, candidate. Jesus kept on telling stories that were unusual, that were against the norm, that were not the way they ought to turn out. So we, we've seen that time after time, um, that what we thought should happen in the normal course of things, and last week especially looking at the Good Samaritan story, everything was wrong in that story. And that's Jesus' point. He tells stories that have something wrong in them because what's wrong in them is his lesson for us. And generally speaking, what Jesus is trying to do is to introduce us to his father. John, in his letter where he's trying to, to say, here's all that I saw uh, uh, about Jesus. He says, nobody has ever seen God, but the one and only who came from the father, he has shown him to us. He has become God in the flesh. He has been God, moved into the neighborhood, and now we know what God is like because we have seen the one and only, the one begotten of, of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John tells us all that Jesus did and how that was a way that he showed us the Father. And in Jesus' ministry, Jesus' stories and Jesus' activities were, in essence, the activities of God, the stories of God, to disclose what God is like to us. Because we are generally quite wrong about what we think. So we saw in the whole set of, of um, I am statements that Jesus seemed to be trying to pit himself against organized religion and say, you think religion is like this? It's not. It's much more ordinary than that. It's much more plain than that. It's much more um, understandable than that. And so he would disclose that by the way he introduced himself. And in Luke's stories, Jesus seems to be very deliberately saying, I want you to know what the Father is like, and I want you to get a fresh understanding of what he's like. The Father is like this when it comes to people who pester him, right? And it's very interesting, the language that is used here when um, Luke remembers Jesus telling the story, when he tells about this guy who comes and bothers his neighbor. And again, the scenario is very typical. Um, hospitality is a high value. So if somebody arrives on your doorstep and you don't exercise proper hospitality, that's a shame on you. So if you don't have some loaves, even though they didn't tell you they were coming, even though it's the middle of the night, if you don't have something to give them, bad on you. So normally you would try to have something on hand. This person did not. Um, and so what you would do next is say, well, maybe my neighbor, because it would again be something of the, the, uh, the practice of the community to say, you know, I, I don't have any salt or whatever it is. Can, can I borrow some from you? So you'll go to your neighbor, but you usually wouldn't go to him in the middle of the night. But you would go to your neighbor, and if you do go in the middle of the night, as was the practice, the gate would be locked, the watchman would have gone to bed, and you and your family were all tucked in, not expecting there to be anything that happens between now and the morning when the rooster crows. And the gate rattles, and it's your neighbor. And your neighbor says, I have an issue. I have a hospitality problem. My friend has arrived. I have nothing to give him. And you shout out, you know... If it was 12 o'clock noon, that's one thing, but the gate's locked, we're all in bed. And Jesus could have let the story take a different kind of a turn, right? He, he could have said, and so what happened was the, the neighbor who had the 
unannounced um, traveler come to his house said, come on, remember last year when I helped you when you were having that little issue going on with the boy? Just, and you know, the, the neighbor might have said, yeah, I do remember that, so no worries. Hang on, I'll be right there. What Jesus says is this. It wasn't because of the friendship, which would have made the story a nicer story, right? It wasn't because of the friendship. It was because of the shameless persistence that the guy got out of bed and gave him the loaves of bread that he was looking for. The vocabulary of shameless persistence um, is translated like this, shamelessness, insolence, effrontery, impudence, importunity, or audacity. How many of those words are good qualities? Right? None. And the story Jesus tells is a story that is not a true story about a true event, but he's wanting to say something about the Father, and what he says about the Father is staggering. Because we might come to rest on the idea that even though we are sort of persistent with the Father, because of our relationship, the Father would listen to us. And Jesus is not even that. It is because of shameless impudence that the neighbor got out of bed and gave him the bread. And by inference, it is because of our shameless persistence that God might listen to our requests. And you say, again... This story is not my version of the story. So the Good Samaritan is not my version of that kind of a story. The prodigal son, as we'll see in a, a week or two, is not my version of the story. The father and the prodigal son is not my version of the father. And this story is not my version of the story. My version of the story is don't bother people when they're in bed at night. You know, there are rules. Um, don't go knocking on their door. Don't go texting them. Don't go shouting to them. There are boundaries that we should observe and we should be more polite with one another. When you do need to ask for something, do it very carefully and gracefully and, and try to make sure that you have a ledger that shows that you do as much as you ask for, right? That's my version of the story. Or my other version of the story is even though it's an imposition, because of a really close relationship, you feel as though you could take the risk of that imposition. Jesus' version of the story is stark and rude, where he says, because of the shameless persistence, one person gives the other person what he's asking for. And I think then he probably folds his arms and watches the crowd, and he kind of grins, because he must have loved to see the kind of disturbance that he caused when people would have been going like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, 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 really? Now, here's what Jesus went on to say after he had done this. He says, So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Um, the Greek language is a fascinating language if, if you're into linguistics. Um, different languages just have different ways to describe things. And those people that know a few languages are, are, are able to sort of navigate um, nuances and so on. So in, in the Greek language, um, which is not like English in this, res this respect, the imperative mood, right, when, you, when you're giving a command, um, can either be in what's called the aorist tense or the present tense. Doesn't matter. 
except this is what matters. The aorist tense just would be saying, ask. The present imperative, the present tense of the imperative says, ask and keep on asking. It's continuous. So the one is just maybe once, maybe more than once, but the present imperative always has this aspect to it that what you're being told to do, you're being told to do not just once, but over and over and over again. You're to keep on doing it. It's a command. Keep on doing this. So again, Jesus pushes the limits here, and he says, so on that story's basis, ask and don't stop asking. Keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And he's talking about prayer, right? So Luke doesn't leave us guessing about that. He says, he continued to teach about prayer by giving this story. Suppose you, and here it is, and not because of the friendship, but because of your shameless persistence, your neighbor gives you what you're asking for. So keep on asking, seeking, knocking, and you will be given, you will find, and the door will be opened. And practically, we're left, we're, we're left sort of asking, well, to what extent? I mean, when do I stop? Well, there's no clue about when to stop. The clue is don't stop one time. Keep on doing it. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And you'll be answered. Is there anything that you have been asking God for, seeking, um, knocking, and you've kind of wondered if it's enough now that, you, that you've reached sort of the statute of limitations that you don't have the right to ask him anymore? Because a lot of times I, I have more of the sense that I come to God and I say, it's, it's me again. Yeah, I know, I, I know I've mentioned this before and I know I've asked for this before and I'm sure you're tired of hearing from me. And I expect that God is maybe saying, what, you again? But the, the story contradicts that. The story says, even if it's only because of your shameless persistence, and it's clearly way, way, way more than that, as we're going to see in a moment, but even if it's only because of your shameless persistence, even if it's not refined, even if it's not well argued, even if there's not a new rationale for it, if it's just you again knocking on the door, if it's just you again asking, if it's just you again seeking, keep on doing it. Well, what are we? T- we're talking about prayer. Ask, seek, knock, and then keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because the way God is disposed towards us in our prayers is that if we keep on doing it, he's going to pay attention and he's going to answer us. I, I think probably the, the number one question people ask me as a pastor about living the Christian life is, why doesn't God answer prayers? And I have a really profound answer. I don't know. So if I don't know, and you don't know, should we stop praying? There we go. Going to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Now, um, 
again, is there any limit or is there any control to this? Remember the Janis Joplin song, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. So Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? You wanna sing it? No, let's not try that. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Now it would be a panoramic 60 inch curved color TV with HD and a smart TV by the way. Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. So oh Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord, please don't let me down. Prove that you love me and buy the next round. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? She wrote that and then died a few days later. I'm not sure what that's about. So is that it? Because there's some versions of Christianity that, that say that. You can have whatever you want. And, and it's often based in sort of a respectable theology, a respect a theology of not scarcity, but plenty. So if God is a God of plenty, why would we not be allowed to be people of plenty? The, the downside of that is that the ones who preach that are the ones who end up with the plenty against your plenty, which is diminished, and you become um, a, a scarce person because of that new uh, airplane that he has needed to have to continue to teach that theology around the world. So that, that, that doesn't work, right? There's, it, it's not some carte blanche. If you know God's name, you get to ask him for anything you want. But that's sort of what the story sounds like, doesn't it? Because Jesus doesn't put any controls on it. He doesn't say, except, well, what is the control that is on the story that Jesus is telling? The context in Luke 11 is the context of the Lord's Prayer, and then that story, and then the ask, seek, and find imperatives. So we have to put it in that context. So we know clearly it's not a carte blanche, whatever you want. Um, James is good about that. He says, you ask and you don't receive, because why? Why are you asking for it? You're asking for it to consume it for your own pleasure. That's not how you get anything. So clearly there are rules beyond what this parable promises. But in the context of what the parable is indicating, Jesus is saying, if you are a Lord's Prayer prayer, pray it with this kind of persistence. Pray it with this kind of shameless insistence. Pray it with the regularity that never gives up. So again, um, I, I would commend to you the Lord's Prayer as, as a, a just an incredibly dynamic part of living the Christian life. It is the prayer. We keep on saying this. Um, as Jim Packer says, every prayer of every Christian should be in some way or another a praying of the Lord's Prayer. And if we think about what the categories of the Lord's Prayer are, um, remember that we, we see that as Jesus was teaching them to pray, he said, first of all, you, you need to pray about the Father's character. So the, the way the prayer begins is by saying, Father... So ask, seek, knock, related to praying things about the Father. I'm sure that in your lives, as in my life, there are things that I should be persisting about concerning this part of the prayer. I should be asking, seeking, and knocking. That God is my Abba. Are there ways in which I don't understand that God loves me with the devotion of my Abba Father? Are there ways in which I don't understand that his demeanor towards me 
is the demeanor of an Abba Father, not a forbidding God, not, not a scolding God, not an exasperated God, but a God who is like the grandfather in the story. Could I please have a chocolate chip cookie? God's disposition towards me is, yes, you can. Now, maybe you shouldn't because here's the wisdom I'd like you to bring with that, re with that request, right? But it's, it's that attitude of heart. God is our Abba. And it's an astonishing thing that Jesus says when he tells us to pray this way because the disciples didn't know that. They just knew you had to pray right about what you called God. They just knew that he didn't have any simple name that you called him. Except Jesus said when you're praying, you can just say Abba. You can just say Daddy to him. And that is who he is. So are there things I need to ask, seek, and knock about related to the Father's character, that he's my Abba, he's my Father, my Father in heaven? Um, what do I need from my Father? What's it like to ask your Father for something? Um, what, what is it that I'm seeking? Uh, maybe it's something about my identity and growing into being a son of God, a daughter of God, and, and what that means. Um, what door am I looking to have opened? Is it, is it a door that unlocks my understanding that I should love my children as my Abba loves me? What, what territory do I need to claim? What, where do I need to move in that regard? And Jesus says, you're probably not done with that. So it's not an ask once, seek once, or knock once. It is keep on asking, seeking, and knocking in matters that relate to the Father's character, that the, the one who is our God is our Abba, Father. Till the end of our lives, till the last breath, we will need to know more. We will need to experience more of God as our Father, won't we? We will need to help others to understand that. Maybe there's a situation that you see, and the problem is that there's a dad who's not behaving towards his children like an Abba, Father, like God, our Abba, Father, does. Maybe there's a friend that you have, and they have no proper sense of the Abba Father in their lives that has shaped them to know they are loved and cared for. And you need to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock that they will come to a better experience, um, certainly of knowing that God is their Abba Father who loves them dearly. The second category in the Lord's Prayer is the Father's kingdom. So again, just thinking about what each of these parts of the prayer are praying towards. And the kingdom part of the prayer is, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And are there things we need to ask and seek and knock in that regard? Are there ways in which the kingdom version of what's around you would be different? And do you need to persist on that? Do you need to be praying to God and saying, when the kingdom comes, it won't be like that. It'll be like this. So could it please be like that now? Could it please be like that now? And God is not going to come back and say, is that you again pestering me? He's going to come back and he's going to say, you need to understand that I am listening to you. Whatever God does with our prayers, it is never not to listen. Right? If, if he's our Abba Father, that's where it all starts. Would an Abba Father not listen to his little child? I mean, sometimes because of our human um, frailty and, and fallenness, we may miss these opportunities, but not God, who's a perfect Abba. So when people say, I don't think God listens to me, that it, it may certainly feel like that, but it is not true. Because later Jesus says, um, the way that this little thing finishes off in Luke 11 is, if your child asks you for a fish, would you give him a snake? 
So if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit or give good gifts in another version to you? So, so God is like that, and his kingdom is a good kingdom, and so we may need to be asking and seeking and knocking that God's kingdom will come in a way um, that is powerful into our lives and into our experience. The next part of the, the Lord's Prayer that we should be asking and seeking and knocking about is, is daily bread, which is the Father's provision, which, which says that every day of our lives and in all of our circumstances, there are things that we need from God that have to do with just existence, that have to do with supply, that have to do with bread and work and the ordinary things of life. And again, when we come to our dear Father and say, I really need a job. He is not inattentive. He's not um, purposeless. He's not absent. He's listening carefully, loving us, and working towards what is for our growth and for his, his glory in, in our lives. We, we need to count on that as we keep praying the Lord's Prayer. Um, is it the Father's forgiveness? And again, you know, how much do we need to ask and seek and knock about um, forgiving others or being forgiven by others, um, having the capacity to love everyone always, um, which, which is, is impossible, humanly speaking. It is, is very possible to love most people most of the time. But the morality and ethics of the Bible don't let us off the hook. In the whole story from the Old to the New Covenant, it's ten times out of ten, or fail. I, I love how... Um, companies try to, um, you know, market themselves and so on today. So there's, there's a company, and, and every time I deal with them, I get this customer feedback thing that says, um, anything less than 10 out of 10 is a fail. I don't know if you're in marketing or branding. That's a ridiculous approach to a person like me. Right? Nobody gets 10 out of 10. Well, God gets 10 out of 10. Sometimes my kids get 10 out of 10. But you're not going to get 10 out of 10 ever. So if you tell me that I can only either give you 10 out of 10 or it's a fail, you just failed. And yet you didn't because you were probably an 8 out of 10, right? Father's guidance. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as we live into and through this life and we deal with the 8 out of 10s in our relationships and we struggle to be forgiven and to forgive, we realize that in, in the back of all of this, there, there is this backstory of, of the evil one who continues to stir things up and isn't interested in leaving us alone. So we need to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, in those areas where people are vulnerable, emotionally, spiritually, physically, because the evil one will be knocking for sure at the door. My most vivid memory about that is a young police officer in Vancouver who had leukemia and was dying of leukemia. And we, um, day by day, had a vigil that would gather around Lance's bed, um, mostly fellow Christian police officers. and. When, when they read scripture to him and prayed with him, there was a peace in the room. And as soon as they stopped that or left the room, there was a coldness in the room. I mean, there was a palpable presence in the room. I rem remember when Lance died, that the moment he died, 
um, that presence left the room. Didn't need to be there anymore. And boy, was it a lesson for me as a young pastor to know that the evil one is that lion who is prowling. And at any opportunity, he will, he will attack. He will, he will seize us. So when we are discouraged or when we are depressed in, in any aspect or realm of our lives, you know that the backstory is that he's ready to pounce because he is the eternal hater of our souls. So we need to keep on asking. That was the story with Lance was to keep on asking day after day after day after day. And did God finally answer that? Well, he did in a strange way because he answered it by taking Lance home. But he answered it every day by being the presence in the room that, that um, dispersed the evil sense and the evil presence that continued to, to press in on the room. So we need to, to pray for the Father's guidance that we won't um, succumb to the temptation of the enemy, but also that we'll be protected from him. Because you have to know that as, to the degree that you grasp that God is your Abba Father, um, you will have angered the one who's the enemy of your soul, who doesn't want you to know that. He wants your father image to be so messed up that even someone telling you that God is your Abba Father won't make any difference. So he is at work in our world to destroy the image and the relationship of a father, right? Because that will be his good work. And yet Jesus says, um, here, here's the deal. The way you need to approach prayer is to be shamelessly persistent about the things you're asking for, about the things you're looking for, and about the doors that you're trying to get open. Because God will pay attention to those kinds of behaviors, and he will answer. We are still left with the dilemma about how God does answer, when he does and when he doesn't. We have some clues. Um, and I think the Lord's Prayer is a very important clue that says when we're praying in these categories, we're praying what Jesus told us to pray. So surely in these categories, we must be getting near, asking the right things, seeking for the right things, and trying to have the right doors opened up. When we wander off into our own interests and our own selfish ways, then we're not really on praying ground. But God, who is our father, is a better father than the best human father who will never give a serpent instead of um, a fish. And when we press in on him, um, I think he's, he, he, he must smile kindly towards us when we come back one more time and say, it's me again. I'm still here. Understand this. God is never bothered by your persistence. He respects it. He sovereignly responds to it in ways that sometimes we say, mm -hmm, okay, that makes sense, in ways that we sometimes say, that doesn't make any sense to me. In ways that we sometimes see, in ways that we sometimes say, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why God would not have intervened here. But we'll keep on. We'll keep on. Because Jesus told us these stories. And the stories set us straight about what it's really like to live in a relationship with God. And Jesus said, here's a deal. Here's the situation. Visitors come. You have no bread. You go ask your neighbor. And it's not even because he's your friend. It's just because you keep on bothering him that he says, okay, here's the bread. And, and if we're not satisfied with that, there's another story he will yet tell about a, a wicked judge. And there's a widow who does exactly the same thing. And it's only because she keeps on troubling him that he gives her what she wants. So you want to try it?
Let's try it and see what God does. Because the fundamental thing we know is that he's our Abba Father. So he will never mess with us. He'll never play hide and seek with us. He will never give us a snake instead of bread or fish. Because he's just not like that. So Jesus says, go ahead and try this out. This is what my father's like. This is what my dad's like. He will respect shameless persistence. And he won't even think it's shameful. So go ahead and ask. Father, we pray that you will uh, invigor us in, in our prayers, that you will embolden us, that you will give us persistence. And Father, we know we, we give up easily. We, we get tired. Uh, we think it's, it's um, pointless. And yet here's a story that we ask that you would make ring in our minds and in our hearts. Um, and help us to know that this is more like our Father than what we might have thought. He is more likely to be paying attention to us than we thought he would. Um, so we just bless you for that and pray that you will train us up uh, to be those who follow your, your wise advice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to invite you to come to the Lord's table. And as Maddie comes and leads us in a, a worship song. I want to encourage you to do this. Just come and take um, bread and a cup and return to your seat. And just think over the Lord's Prayer and maybe dwell on one part of it that you think is an opportunity for you to ask more, to ask and ask and ask, or to seek and seek and seek, or to push the door and push the door and push the door. And uh, the bread and cup speak to us of the reason we have any right to do this. We have no right to come anywhere near God except Jesus has opened the way and he has brought us to the Father and said, these now are my brethren, these now are your sons and daughters. And God welcomes us into his presence and says, if Jesus has brought you here, you're welcome. I'm your Abba as well. So what do you need to pray about? Do you need to pray about God's character, God's kingdom, God's provision, God's forgiveness, God's guidance, or God's protection? Does the Lord's Prayer give you a framework and uh, are there specific things that you should be more persistent still than you have been yet so th the table is here if you're a follower of Jesus you're welcome to come and uh, either come alone come together and take the bread and cup together or whatever is uh, good for you today <laughs>